This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and happy Monday. It is time for our Zoomer squad. And the first question is, does an official lockdown, which started in Toronto and Peel, change things for Zoomers? It's already had some unintended consequences. I'm not sure the authorities predicted the kind of mob scenes we saw at some malls yesterday And the rules are favoring big box stores, foreign-owned big box stores among them. And they can stay open and sell things that uh, shuttered small businesses cannot. Is that fair? And we're going to get an update on CARB's long-term care campaign, which is centered around the demand to fire the Ontario long-term care minister, Marilee Fullerton, and it's gathering steam, and there are some new revelations. Let me give you the numbers if you have something you'd like to bring up with the squad or something to tell us about. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now let's go to David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media and Chief Marketing Officer at CARP, Bill Van Gorder, the Interim Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor at Zoomer Magazine. And let's begin with that long-term care campaign. David, uh, what's happening since we last talked? Well, lots has been going on. We've got over 1,500 people have signed our petition. Um, so the momentum is actually building. And we are now beginning to investigate the ministry itself. Um, we've got a new series of uh, uh, commercials that will be airing uh, starting later today uh, where, where I'm participating. And we've done some research, and it's kind of, scary what we're finding. We're looking at the salaries of some of these, uh, the deputy minister, the assistant deputy minister, the number of people making over $100,000, the deputy himself at uh, 270 with all compensation figured in. So we're just asking a simple question. What are we getting for the money? Um, a lot of uh, payroll going into to uh, this ministry uh, for not much outcome. So you can't fire the whole team. It's like in sports, they can't fire all the players, so they fire the coach. And uh, that's why we think that the minister's got to go. I mean, uh, that's, uh, I think, all deputy ministers make that kind of money? Oh, yeah, we're not saying that. But I think eventually, see, eventually the public starts to look at this and say, uh, I mean, no one's accusing somebody of doing anything nefarious or underhanded. But why aren't we entitled to... uh, some accountability and some performance in relation to the compensation. This is They have one topic to worry about, long-term care, and we see uh, the results, and uh, we don't think that's good enough. Mm, yeah. Um, Peter, uh, do you think that there is any change for Zoomers under the lockdown here in Toronto and in Peel? Well, you, the, the big change seems to be you can't go uh, shop at a small business. Um, you can go to 
Home Depot, you can go to Walmart, you can go to, you know, any of the big retailers um, and and shop there, but you can't go to a small store. And uh, this, this to me, it, it just seems if the small store puts in place proper um, health restrictions and guides and spacing measures and masks, I'm, I'm not sure why they can't open with a limited uh, flow of people. And uh, it just seems like they're using this blunt instrument to, uh, you know, cover everything. And, and there's going to be a lot of uh, collateral damage with small businesses. Absolutely. And, and you know, it seems to me, so first of all, I, I was out a little bit on the weekend uh, as people were scrambling. I didn't go to a mall or anything. But so first of all, uh, there were mob scenes at malls for mob people. Scenes, yeah. yeah, for people who didn't, the, you know, they were trying to get it in. And uh, even at small businesses, there were more people than usual, even though they were, I mean, I had a, I had a mani-pedi on Saturday, uh, and the, the place up the street, a neighborhood place, is also a hairdresser, and they're allowed six people, and they had six people all the time. I've, I've been there under stage two, and um, there were never six people. Usually, I was alone. So I'm, you know, not sure. I think that, uh, you know, they created unsafe situations on the weekends. And, uh, you know, there are huge lineups at these big places. I, I would think you're almost more likely to get it at a big box place. Yeah, absolutely. And why not just spread out the, the people into smaller stores? You'd lower the concentration in, in the one big store, you know. And, and uh, But, it, but it, it's not, there's no kind of thought going that way. It's just use the biggest, strongest hammer and try to smash it, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, Bill Van Gorder, uh, we just heard that the Atlantic bubble has burst. And I know that uh, I was talking, I was Zooming with friends in Halifax over the weekend. And, uh, the, you know, things are locking down there, even though we're, by our standards, it's a very small number of cases. Yes, Libby, they certainly are. And although it seems like a small number of cases, three weeks ago, uh, we had no uh, new cases being announced uh, in Nova Scotia. Uh, Now we have 44 that have been announced in the last few days. So the increase is alarming. And what's more alarming is it appears to be coming from groups of people who are ignoring the rules uh, and and the regulations. So uh, a lockdown uh, is is here, and the other provinces are looking at us and saying we don't like what's happening in Nova Scotia. You know, we can demand the government do more, but it all comes down to all of us following the basics of being caring, thoughtful citizens. Otherwise, our selfishness risks huge harm to others. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing in Nova Scotia today. So is is the thing they did wrong that they didn't isolate when coming into the province? Is that was was that the problem? Uh, partly. But the bigger problem is the large groups of people who are gathering uh, in uh, university, uh, off campus uh, housing uh, in uh, bars and uh, uh, other entertainment places and, and on the streets around them, uh, large gatherings without distancing and without masks. 
what is the thought for uh, PEI and, and Newfoundland pulling out? Is that, that that they don't want people from Nova Scotia, New Brunswick? That's exactly uh, right. They want now. They'll, they'll allow people in, and there are some exceptions. But basically, uh, if I want to go to PEI or to Newfoundland today, I'll have to self-isolate for 14 days uh, when I get there. I can't just go to the province and uh, go about the my normal uh, life as I was able to do yesterday. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, I guess I know where you're not going. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it and uh, it's it's a shame. It's too bad that uh, uh, some uh, uncaring uh, people that aren't following the uh, uh, the rules are making are making it a problem for uh, for everyone. And now the government does have to. Uh, put its foot down, and uh, hopefully it's not too late. There are some people who feel that this should have happened a week ago when it was obvious that the uh, the rates were going to really uh, increase because there's a potential that we could have the same kind of exponential growth in Atlantic Canada in cases uh, that we've seen in uh, Ontario, Manitoba, and other provinces. Okay, David, I, I think uh, you have a different view of this. Well, I, I, I agree with Bill that as good citizens, we should follow the rules. I don't think I should, you know, go off the, off the beaten path onto my own. But the problem here is that they've not made an effective case for two things. Number one, as Peter pointed out, the inconsistency of the lockdown. Um, there's a, there's a small store in my neighborhood, it happens to be a food store, so they're allowed to stay open. But ever since this thing first started, they were limited to 30 people at a time inside. We all line up outside. One guy leaves, they let another guy in. Why couldn't the same rules apply to any store with smaller uh, quantities allowed in, depending on the square footage? Second of all, I happened just by fluke, uh, Libby, to get a haircut last week. Uh, before all this, I didn't know this was coming. I had to wear a mask. The haircut person wore a mask and she wore gloves. She wiped everything down. If that was safe for me to do then, why is it suddenly unsafe for me to do starting today? There just doesn't appear to be any logical rhyme or reason to this. And they've not made that case. And I think they're going to continue to get more and more pushback. Um, because they've not shown that uh, it can stop uh, the spread, and in particular, that it can stop the spread in the most vulnerable population. So essentially, you're quarantining healthy people uh, where the incidence of uh, the mortality rate is negligible. And uh, I think there's going to be a big uh, backlash when we do the review of this afterwards. I think it's all optics, you know, looking strong, looking tough, but the science is uh, increasingly getting a little bit shaky, I'm afraid. Well, I'm, I'm not so sure, because I think that the more that we are all out and about, uh, the bigger the chances. And I'm going to be talking to some epidemiologists uh, later in the program. And I do have questions about it, because this second wave seems to be happening even in places that were, frankly, more disciplined than we were. Right. So I, uh, I, there are some things that I don't understand about that. I, I do understand that, um, you know, that, that 
to a certain extent, just cutting down on the volume of, of people out and about is important. But I do think that they have to be, I'm, I'm very disturbed by this, what the, what this is doing to small business. I don't understand why, uh, Costco, I mean, it sells food, I guess. Okay. So I don't understand why Canadian Tire can be open and the small business that sells housewares cannot heading into Christmas. I don't You're think- right not to understand it because it doesn't make sense because you could restrict yeah. a smaller store by the app. You know, you could take fewer people inside the building for sure. But why, why do they have to close altogether? Well, exa- exactly. And, and, you know, it's, it's the time before Christmas. It's really, right. really difficult. And, and as I said, to the extent that, uh, that I've been in sort of small stores, on you know on St. Clair Avenue up the street from my house uh um when i did go into a store occasionally that was not a food store there i would be the only person there or there might be another person there and even throughout this time in the you know there's a good bakery there they only allow two people in at once they're still open but uh, i don't think those places were a problem and frankly, a, a, a big, huge, big box store would be a, a place that I would avoid anyway. Right. Let's. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Libby. And you know, this is not just uh, in Ontario where governments are making these kinds of uh, decisions with no with no explanation, no backup at all. It seems very unfair and risky from a health perspective for large stores to remain open where many people can be, yet smaller stores that are much more likely to be able to be well-controlled with regard to social distancing and, and mass, that they're forced to be closed. If smaller stores must close, then at the very least, large stores should be regulated to only have their essential service departments open, not every department in the store. That's right. I mean, I, I think there's there's a, a pretty blatant unfairness here. That, and I, you know, frankly, I, you know, I th- I think our officials are doing their best, really. And I think once this gets hammered home to them, maybe they'll do something to address it. But you never know. Let's let's take a call from Laser in North York. Hi, Laser. Uh, hello, thank you. I just tuned in and I heard all this passionate discussion and uh, I do not want Canada and the whole world actually to go down. We have enough problems without all this. Uh, I would like to see uh, something better, healthier world. And uh, what I wanted to say that there was one uh, man, his name is Peter Singer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he was a, an advisor. Like few days ago, I heard him to World Health Organization. So he was suggesting that uh, the virus is a predatory organism like every virus like that, uh, looking for weaker prey to take advantage of. We are talking about anyone with a weaker immune system, which is a virus takes advantage of, colonizes and spreads through, and uh, this is what we have this problem in the world with COVID and whatever else. So the idea is this, that uh, the only way to uh, not to be easy prey and uh, suffer all this uh, consequences of our ignorance, I believe, uh, ignorance of uh, leaders and uh, some so-called experts, uh, what we have to understand that the stronger immune system systems um, are the only protection that we have, whether we are with vaccines or without. The idea is this, that um, uh, we cannot have stronger immune systems without uh, learning a relaxation, and this is what we have right now is all this uh, stress and all this panic in the world with all this, uh, with other things, plus COVID, they had extra, added extra 
stress. What I'm saying that um, this is actually works the opposite. All this lockdowns, all this panic in the media and you know, government people don't know what they're doing. This is all just uh, uh, makes things worse. That's why the number is going in the wrong direction. Okay, so, that's one view. Uh, we have to move on. Thank you, Laser. Let's go to uh, Gary in Aurora. Gary, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Hi. Go on. You're you're okay. on the air. Uh, I would just like to say, first of all, love the show, Libby. Thank you. Uh, secondly, um, was at a family-owned um, nursery in the York region, south of Aurora, Saturday. Um, you know, not that big. I mean, 20, 30 people in there at a time. Anyways, um, so four ladies came in, you know, kind of our age, you know, 50-ish, 60-ish. All four did not have masks on. Uh, the young man at the, at the door said, oh, I'm sorry, I can get you a mask if you don't have one. And they all kind of looked at each other and kind of giggled and just said, oh, no, we have an exemption. So uh, the young man said, and I was behind them, um, the young man said, can you just hold on for a minute? So the, actually the owner came down and said, listen, you can't come in the store without a mask. I value my customers and my staff this is very serious and they said well no we're 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 not we're not coming in and he said well if you don't if you don't put the mask on you're not coming in and if you do come in then i will be forced to call the police and he held up a piece of paper and he said this is for you just for your information this is a writ of trespass if you don't leave the store right now i will call the police and you will not be allowed in this store ever. And there was people around this, listening to this, and they were literally clapping as these four um, ladies left the store. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Um, I was dumbfounded, Libby. Just dumbfounded. On, on which side? That they were thrown out without masks or that they didn't leave no, very they, quickly? they should be thrown out. They said... You know, they said, uh, oh, well, well, we'll sue. And he said, you know what, ma'am? I was in court. Go right two, ahead. I was in court two okay. weeks ago over this same issue that, that came forward in, you know, in the summer. And um, the judge sided with me. You can't come into my store. You know what? Um, it, it's, there, there are uh, places like the TTC where they, I guess, cannot enforce it. But um, uh, a small store, and good for the owner, but when the small stores were open, one of the problems that they had was that uh, people who were salespeople, hourly salespeople, they didn't really want the job of having to enforce that. And, uh, and you know, you never know where that can lead to. And that, oh, I guess, is another. No, we, we don't want we don't want any drama, Libby. I, I know exactly yeah. where you're going. Any conflict. And, you know, the, the, the kid on the front. I mean, he wasn't a kid. He was maybe, uh, you know, I call him a kid, but, you know, like late 20s. But you know what? The owner, good for the owner to come down and say, you know what? I've been through this. I've gone to court and. You're in the wrong. Please try and help me. Let you know we're in this together. Um, it, it's just a mask. Yeah, you know, you're in the store for ten minutes. I I agree. And uh, well, if the stores were open, they would do that. But I also 
uh, know that in some small places, even like at the door, they have masks, they have sanitizers. But if people didn't put them on, the the people working there were reluctant to yep. deal with it. But it, the yep. longer this goes on, um, thanks for sharing that story. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, it, it it's all very tricky for people. Mm-hmm. It it um it really is. Now, David, do you think there's any change for Zoomers? I think that older people are probably many of them have been more careful than most people and I'm I'm not sure if this really changes anything. I don't think it's a dramatic change. Um <clears throat> I think it's uh, going to hurt small businesses more than it's going to hurt necessarily the Zoomer population as a whole, <clears throat> because we've adapted, we've adjusted. Um, the uh, poll I think we reported on a couple of weeks ago here, Libby, that CARP took of its own members about how you responded and the very dramatic increases in online ordering of uh, food and supplies, observing social distance. It's really not that tough to go and put on a mask before you enter a store and to have that store say, look, based on our square footage, here's how many people we allow in at one time. Uh, I've been watching that happen for, you know, eight months now, quite peacefully. So that's another reason why I don't understand the severity of the lockdown when you already had some protective measures that the public health people said were fine. And suddenly they're not fine. So I think... Well, I think the numbers told that tale. A big I said, I think the numbers told that tale. Well, yeah, but but if I if it, why was it safe for me to enter the building with a mask on if everybody else had the mask on, and suddenly it's not? That's the part I don't get. So large gatherings, I understand, but they already banned, you know, football games and hockey games and large. I, I just don't see the the incremental benefit of what they've switched to. We'll see what the numbers are, but. Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to try to, to tease all that out uh, in uh, when I talk to our epidemiologists right. n- next. I, you know, I'm not sure they're they're you know, again, I do believe they're doing their best and they're went they're going to what sort of worked the last time, but the last lockdown was a lot stricter. Uh, let's uh, get a quick comment from Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat. Hi, Libby. Um, we should we as the public should not be second guessing. Uh, the government with all their experts. I would comment, though, that the government needs to do a better public relations job on putting out the rationale for the various decisions that are made. Um, And, of course, we're also influenced by the nonsense that is going on south of the border about, you know, I have my own right to to die in the way I want, but uh, uh, PR is not being done properly by the government. Well, yeah, and you would think, I mean, the amount of hours spent in daily briefings from the various levels of government, you'd think that they would make it clear. And I think a, another problem is human nature. The The rules keep changing, and they keep changing because the situation keeps changing. But that's very hard for people to deal with, and I get it. We just need to make sure that there, the rationale is put out there, and maybe the answer is to have a couple of laymen on whatever committees make these decisions so people can ask the dumb questions, which many of us are probably, you know, thinking what's going on and not understanding because we haven't been told what the rationale is. Okay. Thank you for that, Pat. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take 
Mm, you know what? Um, we've got a real packed show today, and uh, we are starting to run out of time. So let's go around the table. What are the important things in the week to come for our demographics, starting with Peter? Um, third new vaccine is showing promise, the Oxford University one. Canada's got um, a deal to buy doses of that, I think. And um, it looks like these three are coming online at the same time. So that that's a cause for hope. Maybe we can, you know, at some point in the spring, maybe we could we could start uh, vaccinating at risk groups like seniors. Okay, yeah, that'll be. Uh, I, I spoke to a bioethicist last week, and those. That's another. Uh, I don't know. She uh, described it at one point as a bun fight, because there are three levels of government. Uh, they all have these advisory bodies of bioethicists. Uh, they are not required to take any of that advice, and it's unclear who has the last call. I think it might be. So, for instance, the ones that have to be refrigerated, if uh, the fax machines work and it's Toronto Public Health, say, here in Toronto, maybe they'll have the say. I think that's the case. Uh, but uh, that... You know, it sounds obvious to us who should get it first, but uh, I, that's another you thing we're going to have to watch out for. You never know. Yeah. Uh, David? I, I'd, I'd be happy if they had enough vaccines to have the bun fight, but uh, <laughs> based on the flu vaccine, I, I'm not even down that road yet. Will they get their hands on the stuff and get it distributed properly? But in answer to the immediate question, obviously we have to obey the lockdown. Obviously, we have to preserve our own safety and those around us wear a mask, sanitize. I'm not an opponent of any of this just because I'm an opponent of the way they've merchandised it or arrived at it. So you have to be vigilant. It's up to each one of us to be vigilant for ourselves in our immediate circle. Yeah, good advice. And Bill? Uh, David's right. This is the top has been he's called the deadliest the peacetime crisis in this in the century in uh, Canada. Uh, the second wave was predicted. Even the third wave uh, uh, was predicted yeah. in the beginning. So what we can best do, uh, protect ourselves, stay at home as much as we can, avoid groups and, and, you know, wear the mask, wash the hands, stay six feet apart, uh, make sure that you're doing your part. Uh, the power of one is probably what we need to instigate to get through this. Okay, that's uh, all good thoughts. Thank you so much to our Zoomer squad, Bill Van Gorder, David Kravitz, and Peter Mugridge. Talk soon. Thanks, Libby. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.